hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Yeah, you know what's up. It's your favorite podcast, the Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always by my partner in crime, Chad Sowash. And today we welcome Lily Monhey, co-founder and CEO of Sabio Coding Boot Camp. Good day, everyone. Coming to us from L.A., I assume. Sunny, beautiful L.A. Lily, Lily welcome to the podcast. Sabio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, love the topic. Love the intro. You sound excited. You should. You sound excited. You well, b- before we get into the company and what you guys are doing, uh, give our listeners a little Twitter bio about Lily. Fantastic. Yeah. So a uh, 45-year-old Latina mom uh, came to this country when I was five and have been working really hard to you know, increase uh, diversity in tech over the past couple of years. Really? Well, that that is something that we all need, obviously. Well, so give us a little background about Sabio. So you have coding boot camps. Why did you get into that in the first place? And uh, you said this this is ten years in the making. Give us a little, you know, a little little bit behind the journey for Lily and Sabio. Yeah. So ten years in the making. Um, you know, Los Angeles being so ridiculously beautifully diverse is the absolute best place for you to uh, come up with an idea like Sabio, where you just have people from all over the world, mm-hmm. and so you see all this amazing, vibrant diversity. At, you know, at least ten years ago, when you went into some of the tech companies like MySpace, there really wasn't a lot of diversity. So that stark contrast was just so obvious. Um, And my co-founder and I, Gregorio, just would talk about it incessantly. And we're like, look, there's really a problem here. Um, And so from our own lived experience, we decided to make that change. You know, he's Colombiano. He's also Latino. He's in tech. And uh, we realized that there was an opportunity for us to make an impact and also to start a business. And so we're both very uh, community driven, but we love to kind of create and draft our own future and our own history. Uh, So we decided to set out to create uh, the Sabio Coding Bootcamp. We named it Sabio on purpose. Uh, It's a Spanish word that means smart person. Um, Yeah. So we wanted people to know that when they hired a Sabio grad, they were hiring someone who was competent Mm-hmm. And who may happen to be from a different type of background than they were from, but they were going to bring to the table technical skills that were going to add value to their team. And that's really uh, at the heart and soul of what we're doing here at Sabio. Okay. So we talk about tech, you're talking about bro culture a lot of times, right? It is heavily white male, um, but you don't see a lot of uh, Latinas. Let's just say that. So how do you break in? I mean, is is just going to a boot camp and getting the certifications enough? What do you guys do to actually help, uh, let's say, for instance, Latinas like yourself to be able to actually break into organizations and get those jobs? Yeah. So it's definitely a multi-pronged approach. And at the heart and soul of everything is exceptional technical training. So people have to have that, right? Uh, Regardless of who is graduating from the bootcamp, whether 
you're Latina or whether you are uh, a white gentleman who graduated from, you know, UC Irvine. And uh, over the years, we've actually enrolled quite a number of people like that. And so we, we also wanted to um, have a diverse organization. We didn't want it to be homogenous where it was only going to enroll um, people who identified as Latino. So we ourselves are very diverse. Mm-hmm. And we also, you know, want to help other people um, who are interested in hiring diverse candidates. Um, So heart and soul of it, you absolutely have to have exceptional technical skills that are relevant in today's, you know, marketplace. You guys, uh, you know, understand the concept of HR and there's certain uh, languages that kind of come into fashion. So we always have to make sure that our fellows have those exceptional skills. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, yes, you have to do additional things. You have to do a lot of interview prep so that people know exactly what a technical interview is going to look like. And then you also have to provide them with a very sophisticated community that is going to be there to support them and maybe sometimes open that side door Mm -hmm. into a company so that you can kind of break the mold of what that technical professional looks like. So certainly a multi-pronged approach is required. Okay. Are you you working with organizations like GitHub and HackerRank to ensure that those individuals know where the communities are and they also know the tools uh, that are available to prospectively help get them um, seen by organizations that are looking to hire? Yes. And so that has been something that, you know, over the past five years, we've been able to focus on more. Obviously, the first five years of the program were really, you know, 90% dedicated to creating an exceptional educational experience for our fellows. And then once that was really well, you know, baked and and, and set to go, then we kind of had our focus uh, externally and definitely looking to connect. And we have connected with, you know, partners like Amazon or GitHub who recognize that there's an opportunity to hire people who did not complete a computer science degree. GitHub has an apprenticeship. Airbnb has an apprenticeship for people um, who do not have a computer science degree. And Microsoft, they have been the most aggressive in hiring people who do not have computer science degrees over the last 10 years. So when we're talking about these actual programs like Amazon and some of the other big names that you just offered up, do these organizations pay for the schooling in in return for uh, being a contractor or, or something like that? What are those, what are those, let's say, for instance, blue chip types of uh, programs look like? So our experience has been that they have, there are certain organizations like Netflix that will pay for people to go through a boot camp. Mm-hmm. We've seen that through some of the partnerships that they're doing with HBCUs. Uh, those are really new. Those probably happened within the past year or two. Um, when you talk about an organization like Amazon, they have two different things. They actually pay to train their warehouse workers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we worked with them in that capacity, but then they also are very eager and are doing a lot of work to hire military veterans. And so we mm-hmm. accept military benefits. And so we work with them in that capacity. Um, and then there's a company like GitHub that may only have 10 or 15 apprenticeship opportunities per year. And to my knowledge, they're not paying for anything. They're more just opening the door um, and interviewing and providing an apprenticeship opportunity, which is still great. Um, I think, you know, each company is going to do what makes sense for them. And we're more than happy to work with each company, depending on what their budget allows for. So help me envision this real quick. You're a, you're an LA based or let's call it Southern California business. If I were to go to Southern California, would I see you know your your storefronts pretty regularly? Would I see commercials locally? 
sort of build a picture of what, what your footprint looks like in there in Southern California. Yeah. So we have three locations in Southern California. Uh, and if you went to our website, you would find the addresses and you could go and find us. Um, over the past two years, we've really been focused on helping you know, anyone in the country. And so we are 100% live remote right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we have a student that lives in Oklahoma in a tiny town population, you know, 600 people. Yep. So, you know, the shift that happened over COVID with companies allowing workers to be remote has really further opened up the door for anyone who's smart, who's motivated to gain these skills. Um, so Sabio is no longer a, you know, regional player. We have students throughout the United States. So are there no more storefronts? There are. Okay. There are. We have three campuses in Southern California and we're located in co-working spaces. So now talk about remote and what the pandemic did to your business and how you evolved. You obviously mentioned a lot of uh, global companies. So I assume that remote has really opened up business for you. And then I want to roll that question into how are you differentiating from all the others around the the country and the world that are offering similar services? Yeah. So um, pandemic definitely changed things. You know, in the middle of March, we had to, you know, close campus. So literally everybody closed their laptops, traveled home, and we were back up and running literally within an hour and a half. So we really did not skip a beat. And then we were able to enroll people throughout the United States. So it was actually a very positive thing because you do want that smart, motivated person who lives in Oklahoma to be able to participate in the innovation economy. And prior to that, um, there were very few schools that were 100% live remote. So it's been a net positive for the entire country to have these programs go online. Um, and a number of other schools have done the same thing. In terms of you know how we differentiate ourselves, you know from day one, we brought in an external party, external entrepreneurs that would pitch to our, our fellows and our fellows would decide which project they wanted to pick up and build concurrently while they were developing their skills. And so that allows them to come out and say, hey, I've been part of a team. I've been part of a startup. I had this external third party that I didn't pay any money to that can talk about my skills as a technical professional. And that really gives you a leg up when you're looking for work. So when you say there are very few or there were very few, I guess that's different from my what I believe. I mean, I've got like a code ninjas down the street from me. Uh, Chad and I talk a lot about, you know, LinkedIn and Google uh, certifying tech skills and coding. So when you say there were very few competitors, um, what do you mean by that? And, And are those organizations in a different sort of category from what you're offering? Yes. So it is a different category because certifications tend to play a role in the system administration or cybersecurity role. And so we tend to work in software engineering and certifications really don't play as big a role in that. And when you think about, I think, Code Ninjas, Coder School, my experience has been that most of those really cater to under 18 Mm -hmm. and we're working with the adult population. So you have to be at least 18 or older to be at Sabio and you have to have graduated from high school to participate in our program. Okay. Um, yeah. So prior to COVID, you know, your major metropolitan cities would have one to two coding boot camps in it. It could be like a general assembly and galvanize, or it could be coding dojo and, and general assembly, but you really had to be in a major metropolitan city. If you were three hours south of Dallas, there was no coding boot camp close to you. Mm-hmm. And now that's completely changed. Well, well, now that, that you can pivot to remote, who are you partnering with to be able to get better penetration throughout the entire United States? 
you know, penetration happens through, uh, once again, a multi-pronged approach in terms of, you know, different events that we have. For example, this week, we're going to be interviewing um, someone who is a recruiter from Microsoft, and they're going to, you know, share with us their expertise. And events like that really help people just kind of start to, you know, dip their toe in the water and, and think about tech and think about um, becoming a software professional. So there's a lot of events that you can run, which are fantastic. And once again, anyone in the country can participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also things that we can do on the ground uh, as things open up. You know, we can make visits to army bases. They have a whole one to two week program for people that are separating from the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're in-person events that we can run there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> what What is horrible? Chad's a vet. You mean the one to two uh, weeks that you get as a veteran yes. after you've been in for like, who knows how, how long, right? Uh, you get a whole one to two weeks to be able to get you ready for the civilian life, which is a bunch of bullshit. Um, the, at the end of the day, though, at the end of the day, it, it is helpful to have organizations like yours connect with those veterans. So, you know, now you say you're going to military installations. So that is, I would assume, really focused on uh, the transitioning veterans. Is, is that the case or are you trying to also allow other individuals who are currently in but might be might be transitioning uh, soon to, to better understand Sabio and prospectively maybe start a, a boot camp prior? Yeah. So it really depends on how open each military base is. Uh, so some of them will say, yes, well, you can talk to the people who are here for the last two weeks. And mm-hmm. then other bases will say, yes, you can talk to anyone that will um, have their terminal leave within the next six months. And so there's a program you may be familiar with, uh, Skills Bridge. Mm-hmm. We participate in that. And so if you're a veteran and you have uh, six months or less before you you separate from the military, you can participate if your commander gives you approval, of course, to be a skills bridge fellow and you can do your training during that time. So it's really when, you know, people have, you know, the 180 days that they have to say, hey, well, what are my options and start to research those options and ask for the approvals that are required to participate. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'm I'm interested with regard to partnership with uh, not just big brands like you know Amazon and Netflix, which I think is awesome, uh, but with with other organizations who are in great need. Uh, are, are they just sitting there waiting for these individuals to pop out the other side of the boot camp, or do you <laughs> or do you work with them prior? Uh, to be able to prospectively get some quote unquote internships happening during the boot camp, so that they can get more of kind of like a a an ability to really feel what a, a, a culture might be for this this brand or this organization. Because we have people developing their skills and mm-hmm. building a product for some type of entrepreneur. Right now, we work a lot with UCLA Business School Anderson. 
And so their business fellows will come and pitch ideas and our group will build it for them. Um, that makes the four months super, super jam-packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really don't have a lot of opportunity to engage further with additional employment opportunities until the last two weeks of the program. And so it's kind of like an assembly line. Week 16, uh, that first Monday, it's, it's go time. And now we can have them start to engage with, um, with employers. Gotcha. What we've seen is that employers really want to see that people not only graduate from a coding bootcamp, but that they then, you know, maybe have a month or two that they continue to coding, that they continue code so that they can interview and say, okay, now you've, you've had maybe six months under your belt, ready to bring you into our team and interview you. They want it all. That's the problem. They, they want of it all. Course. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's it's called court. You know, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> so so I guess the question is because it's really interesting, and I I love the idea of them working on uh, some of these entrepreneurial projects. I mean, that's just awesome. But I mean, it would be even better if they could get under the umbrella of some of these brands and start to work in in some of those cultures with everyday managers, I would assume, and in us being, you know, in HR and, and working with with organizations um, and talking to organizations on the regular, that uh, they would be they would be more interested in getting involved early on, knowing that there's a dropout rate, et cetera, et cetera. But yet the opportunity to be able to get a hold of diverse and new, excited talent would be, I mean, I think they would be through the roof. I can't understand why that's not happening more. Can you, can you help me out with that? Um, it's really about the intensity of the program. Oh, okay. We're going to bring in someone who is smart and is motivated, but maybe has never touched HTML, has never touched CSS. Mm-hmm. And so we have found that we need them, you know, at the computer, you know, nine to nine for four weeks in order to absorb and master sufficient skills so that they are employable. Um, if if you don't have those hours, if you don't put in those hours, if you don't kind of swing the hammer a sufficient number of times, then you don't reach that point that you're employable. Did you just say 12 hours a day? Yes. It's 9 a.m. The Lily, <laughs> my God, woman, what are you doing to these people? She's also swinging the hammer, so don't mess with her so much. Don't mess with Apparently, her. that's why they stay in line. My God. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's, it's a matter of competencies. And so you can only learn so much, obviously, every day. And so there's, a, 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 there's magic that happens at 700 plus hours. And if you look across right. programs, that, that, that's the that's the bogey. Mm-hmm. And so if if we take away time and we have them doing other things, they won't get to the 700 hours. Then when the employer wants to talk to them, they'll be like, they're not ready. And then it's this vicious cycle. So we prefer to just <laughs> give them the 700 hours. Okay, these people are employable. They're ready. Now go find someone who's a fit for your organization. Because the great thing about mm-hmm. coding bootcamp grads is that nine times out of 10, these people have some type of prior professional experience. So you may be hiring a CPA into a fintech company. You may be hiring a teacher into an ed tech company. And that's really valuable as well. There's a reason that you call it boot camp, right? Exactly. So Chad mentioned you've been doing this for almost a decade and you've you've thrown out like most people are college or are educated or maybe currently employed. But I'm curious in the 10 years that you've been doing this, what sort of trends can you point to in regards to who your customer is? I'm curious, are they getting older? Are they getting like people with disabilities? Are they coming into the into the, the sphere of what you're doing? 
Talk about the 10 years of demographics, I guess, of your customer. We did definitely start out with a you know a good balance in terms of people who are in their 20s and their 30s and a couple people in their 40s. Mm-hmm. We are seeing that the trend is going younger. Um, so I would say 60% are in their 20s and then the rest mm-hmm. will be you know mixed in between the 30s and the 40s. It's rare that we have someone who's in their 50s, although we are open to absolutely everyone and anyone. Um, but it's some self-selection that happens there when people are over 45 that they're like, oh, I don't know if this is really going to be for me. So those are some of the demographic changes that we've seen. It We are trending younger. Okay. So on the younger end, I'm interested, where is high school, public school failing? And do you see the trend? I would assume that you do. Do you see a trend of increased interest in a boot camp like this versus community college or going to a four-year degree. What are you seeing on the ground in terms of where high schools are failing and where people's minds in the younger demographic are around going to college or not? The students are definitely open to newer and different types of educational opportunities, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually have lots of really great skills in collaborating online and doing a lot of that because of, you know, software like Discord and, you know, group gaming and things like that, which is fantastic. However, the institutional uh, infrastructure is definitely still an ostrich. Their beautiful golden you know, vision for every student is that they enroll in a four-year university and they get that bachelor's of science or bachelor's of art. And that's just not, that's not tenable for everyone, unfortunately. And so there's, there's definitely an opportunity uh, in the high school space for things to change. Yeah, companies are dumb. I mean, seriously, they they <laughs> they they don't understand. You know, to being able to be more culturally diverse, you have to go to different socioeconomic backgrounds, which means many of these individuals are not going to be going to, um, you know, a four year school, right? And that doesn't mean that they don't they can't obtain the skills to be able to do the job that you need. Again, companies always want it all until you get into a a landscape like we are today and they can't find anybody and they're whining and bitching and complaining because they won't take it or they haven't taken a person without a four-year degree. My rant's over. So how many, how many people have you placed thus far from the program? What's your general success rate? Yeah. So our bogey, uh, we are successful when we can get at least 80% of the people who graduate from our program. Mm-hmm. Into a role that requires their software engineering skills. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, like right now, from the people that everyone that we graduated in 2021, I'm three people away from that 80. And so I'm like psycho every day, um, <laughs> just, you know, hounding my last uh, three to four people, right? Like, hey, how are you? What do you need? How can we help? Wh- what are you seeing? What are you, right? Because there's, there's a whole process. You guys know this, right? Like, are you getting enough calls? Oh, yeah. If you're getting calls, great. Are you moving on to the HR interview? Are you getting a technical interview? Mm-hmm. And are you getting that second call conversation with the CTO before they give you an offer? And so you can, you can triage each step. And if something's not happening and they're not moving on to the next step, then we know exactly what needs to be done. Right. So yeah, that I mean, that's what we see as success. And if you look across different um, coding boot camps, mm-hmm. what they see as success is they graduate 100 people, just for simple math, and, and 10 of them go ghost, never talk to them. Mm-hmm. They then only tell you the outcomes based on the 90 people. And then they do a percentage off of those 90 people, but they really graduated 100. Gotcha. 
And so we, we don't like that. We, I'm like, look, if I graduated 100 people, I'm going to tell people what happened to those 100 people. Okay. Right? And it could be the 10 of them ghosted us, but that probably means they didn't get a job. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. So that being said, these, the, these nine to nine boot camps, and how many weeks is this again? Uh, 17. 17 weeks, nine to nine. I love it. Um, so <laughs> what's the price? How much does this cost? Um, so tuition is fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and um, there are a couple competitors that are about seventeen thousand, and then there are a couple local smaller op- outfits that are maybe around twelve thousand. So I think that we're in a very good price point. Okay, we are a little bit longer. Most programs are thirteen weeks, and we are seventeen weeks. So the value I think is is there. Uh-huh. And then we have uh, four to five different ways for people to pay for that. They can come through the program, they can get their job, and then they can make monthly payments. Gotcha. Okay. Or they can prepay it before they start the program. Gotcha. Or we can start get some big logos in there and having companies pay for this since they need it so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, so that's that, that's the, the the big question is when you're looking at individuals with different socioeconomic backgrounds, that fifteen thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot, especially for somebody who might have you know eighty thousand dollars in, in in college debt. But that's a lot of money. So. You have different ways of payment, but what about other programs that you can help them with like Amazon, Netflix? Are there any brands that are out there that are just begging for these types of individuals that they'll cover full freight? Yeah. I mean, there's actually a recruiting firm that we've seen that runs some programs and they're different models, right? So you as an individual, you need to kind of do your research and figure out what's a good fit for you. There are other programs that will never quote unquote charge you anything. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll give you the training and then they'll place you with a company. But then those first two years as a professional, you're going to be underpaid. Okay. So instead of getting market rate, which what we're seeing is about $70,000 right now, mm-hmm. they're going to pay you $45,000 a year. And they'll do that for two years. And then you're out of the contract and then you can go make market rent, market rate, but you never quote unquote pay any tuition. Gotcha. And so there's lots of different ways for people to make this happen. It's really about finding a fit, what kind of program makes sense for you, and then researching different options. You know, obviously there's lots of opportunities and people really just need to find a match for themselves. Just like when you're, you know, when you're going to college, when you're going to any program, you know, if you're going to go get some surgery, right? You're going to go get some body shaping surgery. You, you got to do your research and figure <laughs> I out. I don't know anything about well, that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Little nip, little My tuck. body has lots of shapes. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> so do you guys offer counseling? Because it, it seems like you guys should be the conduit between, okay, here are all these companies that need these skills that we provide. As soon as you're done, we're going to drop you right into the interview process. Does that happen or do are people sort of on their own once they graduate from the program? So it's definitely three different things that happen. We're going to get companies that are going to come to me and say, Lily, for example, Isaac, uh, who graduated from our Irvine campus. Isaac was with me for two years. He's amazing. He's now leaving to another company I can't compete with. I need to hire three more people. I want you to send me resumes. Mm-hmm. Okay. They hired three people to replace Isaac. Fantastic. We then have opportunities like, you know, the military apprenticeships that are happening at Amazon, right? Our job there is to make sure that our fellows are really well prepared Mm -hmm. to compete for those internships, right? So we do a whole host of things to make sure that they do very well. And then their um, alumni uh, that will say, hey, my team is hiring. Uh, I need someone who is willing to work East Coast hours, who has fintech background, DM me your resume and I'm going to put it in front of HR. And then there's the very important skill that you have to learn how to look for a job, right? So gotcha. 
we can't just drop people into positions and never have them understand what it's like to go through a technical interview because then for their second or third job, we're doing them a disservice. So it's a comprehensive approach in that if inbound leads come in, we're definitely going to hook you up with them. Mm -hmm. But you also have to learn how to look for work because once you have that skill set, you're golden. Got to teach a man how to fish. (laughs) Are you able to double dip, uh, get money from the students as well as the companies? No. To date, our student is uh, is our customer. And I think that's really important Okay, because we don't want an employer saying, well, Lily, you know, we'll hire your fellows, but make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. accepting $60,000 when I know the market rate is 70. Interesting. And we don't want them to say, well, make sure that we're going to put them under contract for two years and they can't leave because that doesn't fly either, right? If you get into a company, you're doing well and you want to move, we are your number one advocate who's always going to help you, not just for your first job, your second job, your third job. We actually have a couple of employers that get a little irritated with us because we do encourage our fellows to be very aggressive in their job hunt, in negotiating offers, and in their second and third jobs. Mm-hmm. And so they'll come back to me and they'll be like, hey, you know, I hire your fellows, but they'll only stay with me a year. And I'm like, dude, if you're not paying them well, if you're not giving them growth opportunities, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Dude. Lily's a pit bull. Dude. Lily's a pit bull. I love it. I love it. One last one, uh, Lily. You you guys offer a fairly limited amount of programming languages. I see .NET and Node. Yes, that is correct. Is that by design or will you, will you be adding more? Like, Why is it, um, I guess, so so light on the, the languages and opportunities there? It's light because we do full stack. So we're going to teach you how to do React along with C Sharp, along with SQL Server. Gotcha. And then you become a full stack software engineer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that expertise, you're golden. Golden. You're golden versus I can't teach you two stacks. It's too much in 700 hours. So we found found the the perfect Goldilocks spot in terms of the number of job opportunities um, you are going to be able to compete for. And remember, we've been working with, you know, students throughout the entire country. So we had some people that did Node and lived in Reno and oh, that was not pretty, right? So we're like, okay, let's not do that again, right? Like if you're going to (laughs) be, if you're going to be in a smaller city, you got to know C Sharp. Yeah. You got to know JavaScript, right? Yeah. Because some employers are really narrow-minded and just will be like, oh, no, yeah, no, I can't do anything. Yeah. Well, let me translate this for Cheeseman real quick. <laughs> when she's talking about a stack, she doesn't mean IHOP. She doesn't mean pancakes, okay? This stay, is actually stay technology. Stay gold, buddy boy. Stay gold. <laughs> stay gold. This is fun. All right, everybody. This is Lily Monhe. She's the co-founder and CEO of Sabio Coding Bootcamps. Lily, if somebody wants to find out more about you, what is those, those employers out there who want to hire your people, where would you send them? In my inbox. Just email me. It's my name, Lily. Spell it any way you want. It's going to come to me <laughs> at uh, sabio.la, S-A-B-I-O dot L-A. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on Twitter, Talking Trash. Um, so any one, any one of those ways, contact me. We'll get you some exceptional uh, software engineers for you to interview. Swinging that hammer. Lily, I appreciate it. Chad, another one is in the can, and we out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. 
nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.